canary testing was actually meant to be over as soon as possible. You serve a new version of your uh, production system to a subset of your consumers. And with end-to-end uh, -end testing in isolation, uh, you can actually stop out all the responses you're getting from a test to or ACT to environment. It will not replace communication, so if you already have good communication, it's an overhead between teams and services. Contract testing and using the, the, the data generated by those contract tests as a stop for your end-to-end -end test. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Hey, welcome back to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. Glad you're back with us. And we have an interesting topic uh, today again, and uh, I'm look really looking forward to uh, sharing it with you. Peter, we have one important source for uh, our topics. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> the, indeed, the, uh, we have this internal platform in uh, Bol.com, it's called uh, Workplace. And uh, yeah, a lot of communities are active over there. One of the, the communities uh, is uh, called Quality at Bol.com. And in this group, they share interesting topics um, around this uh, topic of quality. So we came across uh, two really interesting ones. Uh, the, the first one is canary testing and canary analysis in uh, in, um, in testing area. And the other one is end-to-end -end tests in isolation. It's related to contract testing. So that's the other topic we want to touch upon. So yeah, time to introduce the, the guests, Peter Paul, because they know everything about it. Yeah, sure. And what I also really like uh, that we have this topic now is that uh, in one of the previous episodes we talked about our culture and how many communities there are in Bol.com. And we now have people of the test community. So that's really uh, also good to understate uh, 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 that and uh, what happened in the previous episode. So today uh, we have uh, uh, Sonja Nesic uh, with us. We have a test engineer in the buying uh, domain and uh, specifically in the on the webshop uh, side. And we have Ronald Nichols, who's been with us many, 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 many years. He has, oh, I don't even dare to think about that. As also a test engineer in the in the buying domain. And um, yeah, I think that uh, what we are going to discuss today is yeah is mostly in that context. Uh, and I think it's good to uh, to mention that up front. So um, yeah, let me ask you an introducing uh, introductory question. Yeah, what makes quality uh, such an interesting uh, topic for you, uh, Sonia? Yeah, hi everybody. Uh, for me, because you can uh, make it as broad as you want or narrow down as much as you want. Because uh, first of all, quality is a really broad topic. Uh, it can be perceived from a test engineer uh, perspective, from a PO perspective, from a BA perspective, from a developer perspective. Uh, quality while you are uh, delivering software, after you deliver the software, as well as quality as the customer perceives it. So there are so many layers to it and so many ways to uh, look at it that uh, it's just really an endless source of questions and uh, articles and fun topics to look into. So I, uh, that was fascinates me about it uh, the most. Awesome. Yeah. And for you, uh, uh, Basically the same. Uh, because it's a broad subject, uh, that's why I like it. Uh, I've been in IT for a long time now, and what I always liked about the quality part of the soft of a software project back in the days is that when you are in quality assurance testing, 
uh, you saw the entire project uh, where a lot of engineers just uh, saw a smaller part of the subject. And that's why I liked it. And like Sonia just mentioned, it's, it is so broad, you can do it. Uh, you can, you can, it is endless. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really uh, fascinating, right? And all these aspects, and then, for example, you have focused on one aspect for let's say a year, and then you just oh, but I also shoot, and the exactly, and then exactly. the next thing comes your way, and you exactly. can explore that and learn yeah. and develop yourself. Awesome. Dave, you mentioned the, the quality at Bol.com uh, community. What 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 does it look like? What 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 is it about? Uh, well. Uh, it is, of course, a community. Uh, I joined well, last year, two years before. I uh, was asked to join it because of my history and my past. We meet every month, I think, yes, and we talk about this. We have discussions about how we do things at Bold.com, quality-wise, mostly about testing. Uh, quality is bigger than testing, but this is the main focus. We try to have a, a topic to post it at Workplace every month. Uh, so to inform our colleagues on uh, trends and uh, new software in the market to, to keep an eye on or, or techniques or, or stuff like that. So something. Awesome. Yeah, and I also organized live events. So one of them, I think you also uh, saw that on our uh, group was the last event was the roundtable uh, session with uh, some tech leads on the topic of uh, testing and testing in isolation to be specific, uh, but also just people showcasing maybe... Um, their solutions and how they approach things. So we had quite a couple of, uh, I think, uh, live sessions with people presenting their approach of uh, performance testing or dealing with third parties during season readiness. So, uh, yeah, just uh, trying to share the knowledge uh, from Bull.com via the live events and indeed share knowledge outside of, uh, like picking uh, the cherry outside of Bull.com and then sharing that with the colleagues, hopefully to inspire some uh, new uh, developments within the company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I thought that uh, indeed it was also one of the tech leads initiatives. Uh, that's why they were with you, of course, I guess. Yes. And um, yeah, we actually had some performance test podcast uh, thingies like two years back for the customer service where they prepared for the holidays. Yeah. We'll mention that one in the show notes uh, yeah. if you're interested. Oh, nice. Uh, and and Locus, we did. Yeah, Locus one. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. 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 Th- what is the. the um, in, in Bold.com, we are organized in different domains, uh, and every domain has its specifics. Eh? The, uh, testing for a web shop is, is totally different than testing and releasing for, uh, for instance, uh, the fintech domain. Wh- what is the coverage of the um, of the community uh, uh, towards the domains? When we started, it was actually kicked off uh, by uh, logistics. So there was a need in logistics department, and they really wanted to connect uh, with uh, test engineers and other quality-minded people uh, in Bold.com because they found it hard to land in the company and uh, try just to connect on this topic. So that's how the community got kicked off even. But today, uh, unfortunately, we scoped down to really have uh, mostly representatives connected to the shop and from the buying domain. And we do have a member from the platform teams. So that's really nice to be connected to that side of the company as well. But uh, unfortunately, at the moment, uh, we're definitely looking out for more volunteers and uh, more people uh, excited about the topic to join us. So if you're listening to this, please reach out to us. <laughs> cool. Okay. Hey, let's, let's go a little more to the, to the content that uh, Peter was promising our listeners. So uh, <laughs> yeah, canary testing and canary analysis. Could you share for our listeners like, like a short definition or approach? What is canary testing? 
So uh, really, really super simple. Uh, so you're running your, your software in production. It's running on certain machines. Uh, and the idea of the canary testing is that you want to make sure that you serve a new version of your uh, production system to a subset of your consumers. So you don't uh, deploy your change or uh, release your change at one go as a big bank, but you have a way to isolate uh, traffic and to pick a certain amount of consumers that would get this new uh, new version of your uh, project uh, uh, developed, uh, delivered, uh, and basically do an analysis on that and see, okay, this looks healthy enough. Uh, I feel confident to just roll it out to everybody. So that's like really in basics. The implementation can differ in a really wide range, how yeah. this technically is achieved, but the idea is this, yeah. I can imagine. And it also sounds a little like how we also sometimes approach experimentation, where we have a subset of our customers running version yeah. X, and another set of our customers running X plus one. The, the, is, is, is it comparable? Uh, yes and no. So, like, it does have some similarities, but the purpose of it is, uh, is different. Uh, yeah, yeah, so definitely that the purpose of, of canary testing versus experimentation is different and who is actually interested in the uh, in the results, I think that's that's the main difference indeed. Given, and given that the purpose is different, you have a different approach, different technologies, yeah. uh, different uh, tools to uh, to achieve the goal, yeah. I guess. Exactly. So is, is the difference uh, with what you're referring to A-B testing, is that more functional oriented and then canary testing is more technical oriented if the, the, the new version is running correctly or yeah not not per se but for example experimentation would be I have the same feature but implemented with slight differences between a and B and now I want to see what is more successful with consumers while usually canary testing is to really roll out something new uh, like uh, a new feature or a new technical implementation of the same feature so that uh, more uh, more relies on that layer of comparison exactly like for an experiment can run for a longer time to see uh, a new canary testing is actually meant to be over as soon as possible. As soon as you yeah. notice that there are no uh, significant increase in, in errors or something, yeah. then you can put it full on because it is a feature you want to impose on all our customers. Yeah, so it's basically, basically. A, a really safe way of uh, deployment. Of deploying, yes. Yeah. Exactly, and for canary releases, you just want to make sure that like most of the test cases are generated by our users, so <laughs> you, you need to subset for that, I guess. Where with experimentation, you just need a, a vast amount of data to uh, uh, make uh, statistical uh, uh, conclusions. Exactly. Uh, on it. Yeah. And where are we using this uh, canary releases in uh, in Bol.com? And can you give, for example, an ex example of what we're testing with it? We, we use it all over the, the, the web shop, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, every feature that is developed uh, is kind of mandatory uh, behind a switch, and a switch can be set to canary which basically means that on two nodes, we have 20, uh, the software is unleashed, if you will. An example, by heart. Uh, do you have an example, by heart? Yeah, for example, uh, we recently went uh, live with uh, Select One Cent. I think that is now fully live. Mm -hmm. um, it is a full uh, developed feature, so a new feature that would be d uh, brought to our customers that at the moment just does not exist at the shop. Yeah. Uh, however, it involves uh, many, many, many systems in the chain to actually work perfectly in order for this feature at the top of that single checkout page work as it should. So it is a high-risk, big-impact feature. It is also a really big thing for Bold.com, so we really want to make sure that uh, if something is iffy, that we have a really easy way to switch on or switch off this feature. So 
what we can do here is that, okay, we say we are ready for live. All of our testing is done, of course, before production. So we are 100% confident, but because it is big risk um, and big importance, then we build it behind the toggle. So what does this mean is that, okay, we are ready. We enable the toggle. We start monitoring. Uh, is the healthy traffic going through? Do we see the patterns that we expect? Yes, looks okay. Then this is, this is okay to stay alive. However, if it is not, and we do notice that there are some things that happens that we didn't expect and that they, it's not going as uh, it should, then we can just easily uh, decide to not yet, even though the code is on production, the code is not uh, touched or not on the path of our users, uh, user journey yet. Yes, uh, we aim to make most of our code switchable, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, and you're, you were mentioning, uh, Sonia, that the uh, that you are basically making assessment whether the code is working properly. Yeah? So how, how does that uh, analysis go? How do you assess that? Yeah, that's why, I, that's why I also posted the article because there is definitely uh, room for growth and improvement there uh, because due to some uh, evolution of our uh, tech stack, uh, we lost some of the insights that we previously had and uh, it would be really interesting to see how we can regain those. Uh, because the article that we posted on Vitalbotcom definitely says how to make sure that this comparison that you're doing and the data analysis that you're doing actually is valid mm -hmm. uh, and reliable. Um, and unfortunately, at the moment, we are not able to really pinpoint and isolate the metrics and the insights from canary traffic only versus healthy traffic. Uh, so we only can notice, like, if there is a really big spike in, uh, I don't know, our error responses, in our latency, then we can deduct, is it indeed caused by our... Uh, release or not so it's it's not yet ideal but it's better than nothing definitely yeah so you, you already have to think about the, the validation of your canary test before you yeah toggle it right yes. and uh, yeah. put it uh, put it live definitely. Uh, by the way the article you're referring to is uh, is the article um, about deployment validation and uh, graceful degradation and it was at Pinterest so th that was the yeah. article yeah so we will put it in the in the show notes um, so, so actually, what you're saying is okay. Well, we we need to make step as well, and this is a good idea. Yeah, indeed. So I I do think that, uh, and actually, it's interesting that you meant experimentation team because team experimentation was also really interested in uh, okay, is maybe uh, some kind of uh, evolution of canary releases within Bold.com something that they could benefit from as well, uh, and uh, some other people also reacted like, oh yeah, yeah, it would be really nice if we have uh, a more uh, uh, how do you say it. Uh, one way or a, a defined way within Bold.com how to do canary releases and how to indeed gather this data and validate the releases. But there is none yet at the moment. So there is definitely people who are interested in it. Uh, so I think uh, if enough uh, enthusiasts are gathered, then uh, it's definitely a nice step uh, ahead for us as a company. Yeah, and I think also uh, that that's why you're a community. That's why you're. That's one of the things you, why you're organizing this way, and it's also why it's one of the tech lead initiatives or the tech lead lead initiatives around this to also gather that and to unify uh, yeah. that and get it to get it to a place like that. So that's yeah, also to see, and I think that that is really where the value of a community uh, uh, kicks in. Huh? Yeah, I do uh, one note. I don't think that at the moment te the testing in isolation, I think it's really focused on the pre-production and pre-release oh, yeah. testing. Yeah. Yes. So I think Canary is not yet on the radar of the tech leads. Uh, could be. I'm not uh, fully no. up to date. After uh, the podcast, obviously. Yeah, hopefully. That would be really nice. <laughs> yes, if, uh, that's the outcome. I'm really happy. Yeah. <laughs> 
but 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 once again, in in, a se in essence, what what is the difference? Eh? We are we we don't have the the mechanism in place to compare uh, what's live on production and what's being canary tested and and compare the results. So yes. it's hard for us to judge if the the canary results are good enough to to fully open up, right? Yes. So how is the in in this article? What what is the step we need to make? Uh, to get it? <laughs> uh, to be, uh, it, it, it would be really awesome if we are able to actually, uh, let's just simplify, flag the metrics. It, oh, I'm coming from uh, a journey that is going through the canary process, or uh, I'm the same metric, but I'm coming from the other part, the traffic. So then uh, the response time of call A has, okay, I, I, I am this one same uh, call that I'm doing, but I was performed on the canary node versus I wasn't. And then you can uh, isolate those two data, po uh, data pools and compare them and say, oh, actually all the latency on the canary uh, release part is higher by 500 milliseconds. Is this acceptable, yes or no? And then you make a decision on, okay, this is just not good enough. We can't release this and we need to turn it off or this is fine and we go ahead. Yeah. And this is, this is the difference that we at the moment are not able to make exactly. from our data. We are not able to actively look at the node that the canary uh, is set on to on. So we used to have that, but then we transformed our platform from Jables to Tomcat, and somewhere in the process that got lost. Yeah. Uh, now you have to kind of guess it or uh, yep. distract it in an uh, crude but accurate. Kernel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deduct it basically on the pool of all data, and exactly. if that is acceptable, then we proceed. Yeah. So shame actually. Yeah. <laughs> and you you need it because you need to compare. Uh, to be able to compare uh, apples with apples, right? That's that's the exactly. of the article. And now yeah. we're guessing that those are apples. But they also <laughs> possibly be pears <laughs> or bananas. Yeah. So the so what is the the call for action we need to go for uh, to make that work? And uh, yeah. Yeah. What what does it take? What what do we need to do? do? Is it something we have to add to the code, or is it an extra uh, tool we need to set up? Uh, what does extra it take? Tool? I don't think so. Uh, I think it's probably configuration. <laughs> Yeah, and I do think that uh, maybe some parts of the platform uh, and how actually exactly. our, uh, our software runs on production and how it is identifiable <laughs> uh, what part uh, of, uh, of traffic is served. I think, yeah, collaboration of platform, uh, platform teams and uh, scrum teams and okay. I think also experimentation I departments since they are also interested. I think the rounding is now more done basically round robin. So, yeah. uh, and before we knew, ah, WSP, Node 001 and 0011. Those were the canary nodes, but now we don't know anymore. So we need somewhere uh, in the platform space. We need people to have a think with us and fix this. Yeah. And then it can be set up and you can do the, uh, the analysis in a better exactly, way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that sounds uh, a step we, uh, we need to make. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, the other topic that we wanted to discuss is uh, yeah, the end-to-end -end test in... Uh, uh, isolation yes uh, you shared uh, a link what, what did you like about it why did you share it I found the topic very interesting because uh, what how do we do now end-to-end -end testing is we talk to a real-life environments and mm -hmm. real-life environments have the tendency to be flaky mm -hmm. especially in automated testing uh, that's why uh, you never get the all the tests green or passing in one run so you cannot actually make penalties based on a failing test you have to rerun it and rerun it, and eventually it will be green because you know it is working. And with end-to-end uh, -end testing in isolation, uh, 
you can actually stub out all the responses you're getting from a test2 or act2 environment basically making it more stable uh, and more secure and actually being mandatory for a build to pass and being put to production now it is allowed to fail so it basically means nothing and that's i saw i read about the topic it was a meetup and then i thought oh, this is going to be a very interesting one because i know we've been talking about testing in isolation we're doing a lot of testing in isolation already uh, for all our uh, features or our subcomponents, we do that already, but not for the end-to-end -end test. And I really hoped to get a, a, a sort of recipe to do this uh, properly. But unfortunately, uh, the talk was about a paid tool, and uh, as we, most of us know, Vol.com is not very uh, savvy about uh, happy about paying for tools we can actually build ourselves. So uh, I don't think we're going to use the packed flow, which is, which is uh, discussed in the in the video. Uh, although I do like the, the idea of contract testing and using the, the, the data generated by those contract tests as a stub for your end-to-end -end tests. But uh, it takes some time to get it set up properly because you have like, I don't know, 200 services that actually talk to the web shop at any given point. So there is quite a lot of data to stop. So yeah, <laughs> okay. Hey, and the, the data stopping, I feel that that's uh, part of the thing that's really important for testing in isolation. Yes. Could you yeah, uh, help me, to be honest, and maybe some of our listeners about, okay, what exactly is testing in isolation? What do you mean when you say that? And what do you have to uh, get ready for that to be able to run tests in isolation? Yes, I can uh, awesome. talk <laughs> in length about it, if you like. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, testing in isolation, why... Uh, what we do, what I basically do when I write one, is I have a, a API call, I run it, I intercept it, I manipulate the data, and I feed it to a piece of software. So because I manipulate it, I know which answer the software is going to give me. Mm -hmm. And it's repeatedly. And if I don't have a stop data, I just have to rely on the answer the, the API gives me, mm -hmm. which can differ over time. Because things are work in progress, so people change, uh, data changes. Uh, we all know from back in the day that the test environment was always very, very bad for data. Everybody was complaining about that, uh, especially for testing purposes. Now we have uh, basically all our webshop services stopped with, with mocked data, this, this fake data, that will also always give the response we expected to give. Yeah, maybe interesting to just uh, say about the product page. I don't know, there are... Uh, hundreds and hundreds of component tests that are tested in isolation for every single component that builds the full page of the product page. Uh, BuyBlock uh, relies on probably 10, 15 uh, API calls, and then what a test does is I will not actually make that API call to PCS, to SLI, to DLI, to basket service, to Orca. Um, I know what they should in a healthy way reply to me, so I will prepare that data in my test, and basically that will be my stuff. So when I call my component, hey, how does a buy block looks like? Um, and that's my logic, that's what I own as a webshop developer. Then uh, I assume what Orca, PCS, SLI, all those downstream services would in a healthy manner uh, reply, and I can validate that I then build the component that my logic should build. So that's the isolation part of it. Exactly, and because you're isolating, I think that uh, every once in a while you have to check if your isolation is still correct. Because yes. yeah, it's all the teams also change their APIs, for example, and then you would have to change your nice isolation. bridge to contract testing. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> you're very welcome. Was this planned? 
that's exactly exactly where contract testing <laughs> could help us. I know it's been uh, we've been dabbling about with it for years now within Ball.com. It has never really taken off. Uh, I hope because of the Tech Lead Initiative on contract testing, this will change soon because it will really help us. Like you said, APIs change. If I have mock data and people start adding fields I, and I don't know about this, then suddenly you get unexpected uh, behavior on the web shop. Uh, contract tests will uh, actually rule that uh, this mistake out because your contract will fail. And if you may set it up properly, then you cannot even push your code changes. Then somebody has to adjust the contract and then run the test again and it is passes. And then you can push a change. So, yeah. But, but how does the contract test differs from a stub test? It's, it's it, it, it does not only it will take the API it will spit out its response uh, the, the receiving part also has the response and they 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 do this in isolation as well because they, they validate the contract towards each other um, so contract a and contract B should be the same and they're validated against each other and if they're not then somebody something is wrong it will throw an error and it will yeah. not uh, will go not so go to the for example if the PCS contract defines that the product it needs to be described by dimensions that can be length and I don't know height just mumbling here randomly yeah. uh, but if they change the height into height 2.0 uh, we are not able to consume that field so all of a sudden we can't consume a product from a PCS and build our component in the shop because the field that we are expecting is just not present anymore or for example, if they were uh, providing the height in millimeters and now that, uh, all of a sudden they changed the centimeters, well, that can look really odd <laughs> then on a product page yeah. that we have meter long items or a Good real life example, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, exactly. So that basically the contract will ensure that, that the components of an API are guaranteed. And uh, if they are typed, what is the type of this field that you can expect from me? And based on that, we can then assume and build a lot of stubs that say, okay, my stub needs to have these fields and it should be in millimeters because then that's a realistic value. Um, but the contract is the one that tells me what are the fields and what is the type of those fields. And that contract is then indeed validated on both on this uh, side of PCS and also we keep validating that this contract is still alive and, uh, and run it's testing. Actually, it's precisely that it's a contract between two parties. We agree that now this is the truth, yeah. and if you change the truth, okay, then I should be notified, and I will be notified because my tests run and they say, hey, I don't know, exactly, has changed. exactly. Yeah. And all the examples you mentioned for our listeners, they are based on us trying to retrieve uh, product data. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's what the example is about. What I basically hear is it's it's like uh, the same of uh, like like uh, setting the data there, but before you serve the data, you will also check. The, the contract with the with the the real service to put it like that whether it's still the one you have and if it's not then basically also uh, uh, exactly um, and yeah thing is raised an that error is, is an raised. error or exactly. whatever is raised hey this is uh, here's something off uh, you should look at this yeah so 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 you have service A and service B but you have this contract in between and instead of service A talking to to B in a test you have this contract being tested against A and against yeah. B so that that yeah, okay. Now I get it. Yeah, actually, Pact, I think, calls it Pact Broker or uh, yeah. something, indeed. Uh, so depending on the implementation, there is different types of implementation of contract testing as well. So Pact, I think, is just one-off. Uh, and indeed, Pact Broker is, for example, then the in-between uh, middle point where the contracts are stored and that... Uh, exactly, it's actually a server where you store contracts and everybody can tap in. Yeah, yeah so and, and the owner of this service uh, who is serving this API, uh, the owner is 
maintaining this contract in this? Uh, that depends on the, <laughs> the setup you choose. Okay. There is like uh, producer-driven contract testing and there's consumer-driven contract testing. And uh, depending on which approach you choose, the either the consumer or the producer is owner. Uh, yeah. In Bullet.com, we have not made no choice yet. So uh yeah, there is a couple of uh, folks running, as far yes. as I know. That's also the outcome of the Techlead initiative. Exactly. Uh, so hopefully we'll hear uh, from them soon in one of the Techlead uh, updates. <laughs> exactly. And uh, for now, you gave uh, a lot of examples about component testing uh, with contract testing. Uh, but we also were trying uh, to get some insights in end-to-end -end testing, which is different from component testing. So the next step for that, oh, seeing some doubt there. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's, it's really that different because uh, the ent an entire page, our entire webshop is made of components. And now we test the separate components. And of course, it is possible to combine all those components to an actual page and have it done end-to-end uh, -end tested in isolation. Uh, yeah. That's 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 the ultimate goal for me, but we're not there yet. So, um, um, what would be the the next step to to get there? What are we working on currently then? Uh, so, I, I think that first we need to prove that there is indeed uh, value for uh, everyday uh, day to day Scrum teams in actually implementing the contract testing. That there is definitely a way uh, that we see that this is the way to go, mm -hmm. because shop is really I would say the King Kong of contracts to be consumed. Then, so first if we Prove on smaller contracts and smaller services like, okay, this actually brings value, people are happy with it, and we will do want to work with it. I think then we can maybe proceed into uh, having the end-to-end test rely on exactly. this kind of end-to-end -end flow that is then uh, stopped out on all the things because it's just uh, yeah, a lot of dependencies. And I think also then the whole implementation would need to be really thought through to make it workable and extendable and scalable. <laughs> Uh, and then it always is, of course, the cost and benefit, right? So if we, it, at the end of the day, want to have five of these user journeys, but actually to automate those five journeys, we would spend five months versus uh, how we do them now. Should we change something there or should we go for validation on production with canary releases because that's actually way more scalable? There is the, the goal on it, the goal uh, on its own. It's not let's uh, do end-to-end -end testing in isolation. Let's do what guarantees us that we're going to gain the confidence before releasing to Pro and upon releasing on Pro, we have enough insights to validate our release. And that's that it's about quality, right? So if we can get gain that uh, uh, confidence exactly. in a different way that costs us less, yeah. that's also, also fine. Good. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. th th and that's something we are now trying to find out. What exactly. is the... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The but but in, in, in a way, that that's one of the questions that's always on top of mind of a, a quality assurance yeah. or a testing community, making this trade-off between the effort that you need to yeah. make to be confident or have trust in the solution that you bring and, and, yeah. uh, and, and the results that you're getting there, right? Yeah, yeah and I yeah. think that uh, it's also awesome to see that at uh, uh in the last five years, there's a huge shift of there doesn't have to be a test engineer in your team to still have that confidence and to make sure that whatever is released does have that level of quality. So it's uh, nowadays you have a lot of teams where uh, you do not have a test engineer while there is definitely a high level of quality, high level, level of automation, and also ways to run stuff in production and be still confident. So I think it's uh, definitely a topic that uh, is, is just really uh, growing in everybody's yes. uh, 
quality awesome. awareness is, has increased a lot over the years. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's really awesome to see. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then again, uh, what I see in the teams that, that, uh, that I work with, it also depends on what the teams are trying to achieve yeah. for, for themselves. Eh? So, for example, I have teams working on uh, stock valuation, which is a financial process, so it's uh, quite heavily tested, to put it like that. And we also, I also have a team that's working on, let's say, the front end for uh, making purchases, uh, basically for the goods that we want to sell to our product. And they are way easier on testing because they say, well, yeah, we can also ask uh, some of our users to do a part of that. Yeah. And if, as long as it's not on a busy day for them, they, they will try it out. And then in five minutes, they say, no, this is not working. You have to redo this. And, <laughs> and then, you know, in five minutes... Uh, well, they otherwise, would done. spend like uh, five days on uh, on preparing tests, and they yeah they make the trade off. And uh, I'm of course, uh, uh, yeah, uh, making a, uh, uh, how do you say that a stronger example than it really is. But yeah, uh, just to, to 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 give the example, it also depends on the goal what you're trying yeah, to achieve as a team. If you have to uh, check something once, then please don't write a test for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you have to check this every day, then please do do yourself a favor. Unless you liked it doing it manually, <laughs> of course, that's your, that's your thing. Yeah, but I hope that someone is uh, doubting the efficiency. Exactly, exactly. Then, right? <laughs> and then somebody has to have a talk with you as, a, yeah. as an engineer. <laughs> Maybe you should not do this like this. But, but yeah. I mean, Even if you like to do it every day, you've yeah, got this you possibility <laughs> of a human error and, and miss something. Exactly, so, exactly. Uh, hey, but but um, I was ri writing down the questions uh, during the preparation, and I realized, okay, uh, we are talking about contract testing uh, quite some years now uh, so why is it not really taking off uh, because it, it's it sounds like a really good approach for uh, I can only guess why it has taken off yet uh, unfamiliarity by people and I'm I think that's bad talking to others people are afraid that it is a lot of work to implement and as you all know uh, we have quite busy agendas all in world.com there is way 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 more ideas than there is time to actually execute them so to add up to the things we already have to do, then people, oh, this is going to be an effort. Let's not do this now. Yeah, that is good for later. Uh, too busy with other things. Exactly. Uh, I think it's, it's like, unbekend maakt onbemind. I don't know the English translation for this one, but uh, I'm hoping <laughs> we have a lot of Dutch listeners. Sonja also knows this, so. Uh. Yeah, we can add it to the uh, share <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, I think another thing is also that there are a couple of bad experiences. So even we, uh, we when we kicked off with uh, the checkout uh, revamp project back in the day, we decided, yes, contract testing, we're building all these shiny new services, we do want to implement contracts and contract testing, yay, let's go ahead. But uh, the purpose of the contract testing actually is um, it will not replace communication. So if you already have good communication, it's an overhead between teams and services. If you have bad communication, it will just make it even worse because it will just start showing these red flags that then you can fight over. Um, and we try to implement it on the s services and between services that we already own. So it's not like we're going to be surprised by a change by a service of team that is sitting next to us and actually works on the same project. We already expect that change. So there is there was no really added value. And the way we implemented it was also a bit technically clunky and not really understanding how to do it properly. So, oh, we burned our fingers, and then it was like for two years nobody wanted to hear about it. Like, no, never again, because we actually didn't pinpoint the issue that we tried to solve and we so implemented it so in a yeah. yeah in the wrong place and also technically a bit wrong so it, it was just really an overhead that caused trouble so and I, I think I heard a couple of more examples really from the past where people tried it 
but probably it was again between two teams or two services that already do have a good communication and don't have this need actually to have this better insight. But the more we grow and the more detached we are and uh, you have consumers of your services all across Bullet.com, I think it, the value will be uh, more and more visible. Um, and I really hope that uh, the talks that are at the moment uh, going on uh, are able to showcase this. And uh, you could also really like think of uh, if you if if the assumption is that where the communication between the teams is uh, that's already good, you don't need this. Eh? So then it, that would also be, uh, for example, be a case that at the place where we're going to make product APIs, where you have typically a place where uh, there's that's not necessarily because there's also an organizational breach uh, or gap to be closed. That it's places like that. It would it could really we could really benefit yes. uh, from this. Yeah, and, and other places where you're, let's say, working in a in a sub product or something like that, you're already collaborating a lot together, and there the communication is better, and we need it less in, exactly. in places yeah. like that. Probably discussed the change already before it was implemented. <laughs> yeah, you hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. So what what uh, what is your dream? What is your next step uh, for uh, for this uh, topic? Yeah, I will wait for the POC outcomes. I'm really <laughs> curious. <laughs> uh, I asked in my team if we if we are able to start doing a POC to be honest, and then one of the engineers in my team says, yes, we're going to do this. And then late, two weeks ago, she said to me, ah, I want to work on this contract testing. And I said, yes, good. <laughs> I want to work on that with you. So that's my next step. Start small. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I think in October, uh, the, 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 the Tech Lead Initiative is starting up again because everybody is on holiday now. Yeah. Pick it up from there. Yeah. Cool. We covered already quite a lot. Uh, yeah, today, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. It's yeah, uh, the canary uh, testing and the analysis that goes with it. And the end-to-end testing, isolation, contract testing uh, we did along the way. So uh, when, I, when I prepared it, I didn't realize it can also be a kind of uh, uh, competition between canary or uh, contract testing. And that you uh, you do this canary testing and say, well, this is good enough. We don't need this, uh, this whole contract setting uh, <laughs> testing setup. So that's uh, that's also an interesting uh, finding. I also like what you said about um, uh, you know, what we did in the past and, and why it uh, fade out again. That uh, those are quite interesting learnings uh, if you yeah. think about it. Uh, the, uh, it. It goes back to the agile uh, statement uh, in communication over processes. This is the same. You're trying to introduce a, you know, a process for something, but yeah, if the communication is not uh, in order, then. You end up in uh, even worse situation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So Peter Paul. I, I think that brings us to the closing uh, round, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah you, you prepared you with it, and uh, all our listeners know. So yeah, what's your uh, most important uh, takeaway? So what should our listeners really take away with them from this uh, podcast episode? Uh, yeah. Pro- my advice is just uh, feel free to play around a bit more. Uh, Yes, of course, there is a scrum working work, there is stakeholders waiting. But yeah, all of us are engineers at core. And I think that that's a bit of play, uh, play around time. Just let poke around, let's try it out with these kind of new approaches, new things. Just just do it. And I think then uh, then we can definitely accelerate our, our innovation even more. So I think that that is my biggest advice. Whether is it canary, contract testing, yes. whatever you think can help you, uh, I, I think just just take some time and do it. Yes, it's uh, yeah, for, not entirely the same, but fail fast, fail often. Uh, <laughs> don't be afraid. It's always easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. So uh, 
if you see an opportunity to make stuff better, just try it. And uh, yeah, if it fails, then it fails. Yeah, uh, share it. No, <laughs> sh share it, share <laughs> it, share it. Put it in the quality at ball.com work, uh, workplace group. <laughs> yes. But that's ex ex exactly so. Yeah, what you what you say is um, we we're talking about quality at ball.com, but in the end, it, it's indeed about uh, yeah going faster in innovation eh? because you yeah. uh, uh, you automate stuff you have to do less uh, manual testing you uh, you know uh, in an earlier stage uh, if things are okay or not okay and so yeah. it improves innovation speed as well exactly. so it's, uh, in the website not we a goal are discussing uh, things like yeah. feature releases like every feature that is built in the web shop is released almost immediately to production but that's a long bridge but yeah, yeah. in order to support that we need faster innovation we need faster feedback cycles and so this is uh, and this is stuff one that can of help options. us yes, exactly yeah. Yeah. these are things that can help us with that uh, not saying that those are holy grails but uh, yeah. they can yeah, they're definitely worth exploring examples yeah. Uh, yeah cool let's see how we can uh, get there uh, soon and uh, yeah hope hopefully the the listeners got uh, inspired as well to uh, to start this uh, uh, experimentation with it uh, or let us know what what you think of it and how did you uh, implement it so we can uh, learn from that as well how do you use channels so thanks for your time uh, Sonia and Ronald and, uh, thanks hope to have you soon thanks for the invite thanks for the invite nice to be here great thanks for listening to this episode if you liked the episode check some of the others go to Spotify or iTunes search for Tech Lab and subscribe leave a 5 star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word we like interactions so if you have any questions or suggestions find us on Twitter LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun.